As I always say, Jerusalem is Israel's eternal and undivided capital from time immemorial since King David thousands of years ago. With that, I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Mordechai Kedar, expert on the Middle East and Islam, for his amazing and so important insight. Thank you very much, uh, Rabbi Korobkin. Thank you very much, um, Avi Abelo, and I thank everyone who joined it. Uh, uh, I would like to thank another person who I saw right now on on who is on this uh, meeting. Actually, the, the 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 man who brought me to the bite the first time, and then I met with you, Rabbi, and then you invited me to come in another year. It's a Stanley Emerson, uh, who is now, right now in this group. And I hope he hears it. He was the one who brought me to the evening which you made such a magnificent evening for the Israeli shluchim. Uh, in your show, it was uh, Motzei Shabbat, which is next to Tubishvat. And uh, I came as a guest just to listen. And you came, you came to me and say, Dr. Okeda, next year I want you with us. And here we are. Uh, thank you, everybody. And uh, Rabbi Aviabelo and Stanley. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Six-Day War, uh, 1967, I'm talking about something which happened uh, 53 years ago, was a great blow to many things which Arabs and Muslims as well believed in them, especially what we call, what people call the Arab nationalism. The Arab nationalism uh, actually failed in its most important and most significant uh, mission, to get rid of the state of Israel. So instead of getting rid of, of Israel, Israel got rid of the Egyptian army, the Syrian army, the Jordanian army, and Israel also succeeded to hit the Iraqi air force as well. So it was a, a shock. And don't forget that uh, the 67 war was 19 years after Israel was established. 19 years is nothing. Imagine a state which was established in 2001 performs in such a decisive and powerful way. This is something which people today find it hard to understand in what situation Israel was only 19 years after its establishment with all the difficulties, with all the wars, with the economic problems which we had to face and Israel succeeds to defeat three and a half Arab armies. This was a giant uh, 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 success and victory. And the Arab nationalism, as a result, got a big blow, which started a, a decline, uh, which finished in the Arab Spring, when the unity of the Arab world turned to be nothing more than hollow, Sismaot uh, slogans, which nobody really uh, uh, believed in them. So this was on the other side. As a result, since people uh, lost their faith in the nationalism, now they looked for something else to replace it. Because when when one of your idols turns to be nothing, you look for others. And here came the religion the i would say the wave of returning to islam as a result of the six day war nationalistic defeat was great don't forget that uh, we are talking about the years of socialism where socialism in the 60s was the ideology uh, which was the most popular almost all over the world um, Eastern Europe, the Soviet Union, was viewed as the uh, ideal ideal uh, state, which can even face the the all the might of the United States of America and the NATO pact. Socialism was in the sixties uh, very much in, to degree that even socialists in France, in Britain, and I think in America as well, were uh, something like um, I would say a new thing, 
very good thing. It was, it was like, like a, a status, a high status. If you were socialistic or you believed in all these, those ideas. Here, and here comes Israel and uh, defeats all those Arab countries which were the tales of the Soviet Union because the Soviet Union actually uh, um, was the country which gave the weapons to Syria, to Iraq, to Egypt in the 60s. And not only the Arabs were defeated and the Arab nationalism, also the Russian, <laughs> Russian arms were found out to be nothing. That they, they cannot face the American weapons, or even more, the French weapons, which Israel was using at that time. So from every point of view, this blow of the nationalism as a unifying ideology, the socialism, which they all followed, and the weapons, which they got from Russia or from Soviet Union, everything which they actually thought that they can give them some power, turned to be nothing. Everything collapsed. The ideologies and the weapons as well. As a result, when you lose one deity, I would say, or one uh, savior, you are looking for another one. And this is when the wave of Islamism started. And this was the first, I would say, uh, reason for the Islamization, which we see today, uh, uh, in the Arab world, in the Islamic world, which also migrates to other countries, but definitely Islamism, uh, I would say, be, started to be a, an element which you have to start to take seriously as the result of the Six-Day War. And then comes the story of Jerusalem. Jerusalem for us was the dream. I, as a child, used to, to visit a place uh, named Martefa Shoah. It's before Yad Vashem was built. And above Martefa, it was on Hartzion in Jerusalem, near the border with the Jordanians. Uh, and from the roof of that Martefa Shoah, you could see a little part of the Western Wall. And this is as much as we Israelis could see for 19 years since the occupation, the Jordanian occupation of the old city. This is when and people were, 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 were you know, coming you know, to, to the roof only for a minute because there are many people wanted to see it. So you could look for like um, 10, minutes, 10 seconds and you had to go down because only from one place on that roof, you could see the Western wall. Uh, to that degree, uh, we were denied but we hoped that one day will come and we'll be able to go back to the holy places of uh, the eastern city, uh, the, the, the western wall, and maybe some people also, also fantasized about going onto the Temple Mount. And here I'm not willing to go into the question where it is okay according to Allah or not. It is a big question which is not our question uh, today. Um, and when uh, when uh, we liberated the city in the Six Day War, thousands, many thousands of Israelis just bursted into the city. I remember myself, like one or two days after the after the the uh, end of the of the battles, we all ran with trains, with buses, wherever we could take, just to see the the, the Western World, to see the old city, and don't forget that the Jewish quarter which is so nice to, today, it was a total wreck on those days because the Jordanians destroyed 40 synagogues and all the houses of the Jewish quarter of Jerusalem. So the, what we saw uh, was on one side, it was a fulfillment of a, of a dream, but on the other side, we saw how destroyed the Jewish quarter was and all the synagogues and all these things. So it was... On one side, it was a happy occasion, but uh, on the other side, we were very, I would say, saddened to, to see what happened there. But uh, immediately, people started to hope 
that we will hold for this hold to this city forever like uh, a month later uh, israel annexed the eastern parts of jerusalem which today the old city and uh, what today neighborhoods like uh, pisgat zeev givat zeev of course uh, harhoma all the uh, french hill all these the places which later uh, uh, these neighborhoods were built on were annexed already like a month after the six day war when we decided that this part of the land we will never give up on. Uh, then um, a year later Rabbi Neria and others, other rabbis started to celebrate Yom Yerushalayim with uh, Hallel Shalem Bivracha B'Shem Malchut. And here again, there is a big debate whether to say Hallel Shalem or any Hallel uh, on Yom Atzma'ut, with Bracha, without Bracha. But when it comes to Jerusalem, there was no debate. Even those Rabbanim of the Tzionut who didn't feel so comfortable with Yom Atzma'ut, with uh, Shichur Yerushalayim, the liberation of Jerusalem, were totally with it. And immediately they turned it into a, a day of Halel Bivracha B'Shem Malchut without any any doubt and any problem with this. For us, uh, of course, we started to build the the old quarter and some synagogues. Uh, later, the Churva magnificent shul was uh, rebuilt. And when you go today uh, in Jerusalem, uh, you can uh, very you can see how this city was reconstructed uh, by us and for us it was a fulfillment of, uh, of of a dream not only the israelis i think all the jews in the world and if you remember the uh, the emotional wave which engulfed the whole jewish nation how many jews i wouldn't say discovered their jewishness but in, 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 in suddenly became willing to get attached to the jewishness and uh, within us, within Jews, in Israel, it, it brought a whole wave of Hazarabi Tshuva. And I believe that even in the diaspora, many Jews were overwhelmed in the positive way by, by the liberation of Jerusalem. And this actually got them closer to Judaism. I would even say Judaism had some kind of revival, revivalism maybe, through the liberation of Jerusalem, and I'm I'm not exaggerating. Uh, we started to sing songs, and um, uh, and and, and uh, schools streamed to Jerusalem to see the the Western Wall and and to celebrate and to dance and everything. And for us, it was uh, um, the re reunification of Jerusalem after uh, uh, so many years, which we were denied from the city. As good as it was for us, it, the bed as it was on the other side. Because they saw not only the factual uh, um, uh, results of the war, they saw the emotional results of the war, of what the emotions of the Jewish people in general, so, and in Israel in particular, yeah. how, how Jewishness became much more prominent in everything uh, which connected to Israel. And it was much, the, the emotional aspect of the ramifications of the Six Day War within the Jewish people were tremendous. And they understood that something here very negative happened with the Jews. Why? According to Islam, the Jewish religion is null and void because Islam took the Christian theory of replacement one step forward. And according to, the, to Islam, uh, uh, Islam came to the world to replace both Judaism and Christianity. Therefore, these two religions, Judaism and Christianity, according to the Islamic creed, is null and void, deem battle, as they say. A, a religion of falsehood, while Islam, only Islam, is Din al-Haq, means religion of truth. There is a verse in the Quran which says, 
Inna dina indallah al-Islam means religion with Allah is Islam. No Judaism, no Christianity, nothing. Allah abandoned Judaism and the Jews and Christians as well. The land of Israel is a holy waqf, a holy endowment for Muslims. And according to Islam, to the Islamic Sharia, a land has only one way ticket to enter Islam, not to get out of Islam. By the way, this is why they still think that Spain should return to be Islamic because one, it was Islamic. The, the island of Sicily in the southern part of Italy should return to be Islamic. Large parts of the Balkans, all the way up to Vienna, the Austrian capital, should return to be Islamic because once it was under the Islamic horses' hoofs. And so, of course, the whole land of Israel and Jerusalem included. The Jews, according to the Islamic belief, the Jews are not a nation. Jews are communities which belong to every nation in the world. I myself, as a Polish, from the national point of view, of course, I am, I am Jewish, of course, but just like another Polish who happened to be Christian, a Jew from Morocco is a Moroccan Arab who happened to be Jewish, just like his neighbor, the Moroccan Arab, who is Muslim. But both are Moroccans. A Jew in Iraq is an Iraqi Arab who happened to be Jewish. A Jew in, in Toronto is Canadian who happened to be Jewish. Jewishness doesn't make you into a nation. So if the Jews are not a nation, why do they need a state? Let them stay wherever they are, forever, where they belong. Why should they come? So Israel in general has no right to exist according to the Islamic mindset because the land is Islamic. The, uh, the Jewish people are not a, not a people, but they are communities which belong to the whole world. And their religion is not in void anyway. So why the heck they need a, a state? So Israel in general is viewed as totally illeg illegitimate. Now they came not only to the country, now they came to Jerusalem. And they know that Jerusalem was once the Jewish capital. It, it, it appears in the Islamic sources. They know exactly who was David and who was Solomon, Suleiman as they call him, and Daoud. And they know exactly that the Jewish history in this country. But since Jews stuck to a religion which is null and void, and they don't believe in Muhammad, Allah kicked them out, and now they are dispersed all over the world, and so they should remain because they do not convert to Islam. So, uh, yes, they know the history. But now what they see, the Jews come back to the country, to, the, to Israel, or to the land of Israel, as of the last quarter of the 19th century, which they opposed from the beginning. Then in 1948, they established a state, a state, Jewish state, since when Jews have a right to a state, Jews should live, those Jews who live in the Islamic countries should live as dhimmis, ahl dhimma, means people who live in a second or third or fourth grade with very limited rights. They should, uh, uh, according to the Islamic law, they cannot ride a horse, only a donkey, in order to denigrate them. A Jew and a, and, 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 and a Christian should pay jizya, means skull tax, when they are humiliated, as it's stated in the Quran, mean crawling on the ground, Jews and Christians should be humiliated under, under Islam. This is the only way how they can survive and live under Islam. Jews have no right to a state. Jews have no right to a police, army, whatever. So this, the mere existence of the state of Israel is a challenge, and it's a, it's a religious challenge to Islam. Because we actually do not go along the Islamic creed when it comes to Jews. But the worst thing is about Jerusalem. Because when we come back to Jerusalem, to our capital, historic capital, and we uh, are active in the Temple Mount or around it, 
this all means that not only the Jews came back to the country, according to Islam, it means that actually Judaism goes through a process of resurrection after it was canceled by Islam. And this is the problem. Because when we are in East Jerusalem, especially if we are active on the Temple Mount, and here again, I'm not going into this question whether it's allowed or not, halachically. Um, according to those Rabbanim who are going around the, the temp Temple Mount with, uh, not with the, the shoes, after mikveh, all these things, okay, there are those who do it. And for Muslims, this means, especially if Jews pray on the Temple Mount, this means that Judaism came back to life. What will be with Islam, which came to the world to cancel Judaism and to replace it? This is the religious meaning or the anti-Islamic meaning of the regaining of Jerusalem by Jews. Because this is viewed as a threat on the raison d'etre of Islam, because Islam came to the world to replace both Judaism and Christianity. And here, what happens in Jerusalem is actually a result of a conspiracy of Christians and Jews. Christians means uh, Lord Balfour, 1917, the Balfour Declaration. And don't forget, Balfour was an evangelical Christian. He believed in this from the religious point of view. Then. Or the, the League of Nations, San Remo, and the United Nations, and recently Trump, another guy who is connected to Jews on one side, his daughter, his son-in-law, and many others, and the evangelical Christians on the other side, they conspire together to bring the Jews to, 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 to recognize Jerusalem as the Israeli capital, means in order to make sure that, is, that Jerusalem will forever remain with the Jews, and this is no less than a Christian-Jewish conspiracy against Islam, against the one of the most basic uh, beliefs in Islam, that Judaism and Christianity are not in void, and the uh, Jews should, should, should live forever under Islamic yoke. So this is actually the problem with, with, of which, is, which Muslims see when they see us on the, this is why they object that a Jew will daven, we will pray on the Temple Mount. A Jew can pray wherever he likes. See, from them, they have no problem. You can pray wherever you like. Not on the Temple Mount. Why? Because in the Temple Mount, if Jews are praying on the Temple Mount, it means that Judaism it, it came back to life in the core place of Judaism, the Temple Mount. And the struggle over Jerusalem in general, and the Temple, Temple Mount in particular, comes from that inability to fathom the Jewish revival on the Temple Mount. Because it comes from the religious point of view before it is anything connected to territory, to territorial issues, or legal issues, or political issues, or national issues. This is a religious problem before it is anything else. And this is, I would say, the religious ramification or the religious uh, result of what happened uh, uh, in the Six-Day War. Uh, it took a while because for this you have to pass the message uh, because most of the Muslims have a problem with this. There are uh, the Shia Islam, the Shia Islam, they have less problem with this. Because, as you might know, Jerusalem is not, was not sanctified by the Shi'i Islam. The Sunnah viewed Jerusalem as the third place in holiness after Mecca and Medina. But for the Shia, they have another city named Najaf in the southern part of Iraq. For the Shia, uh, Jews can keep Jerusalem. They don't uh, mind it. It's okay. Judaism is in any way null and void. It doesn't change anything, but for the Sunnah, it is a problem. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, the, uh, I would say the mother of all the terrorist organizations, 
they actually took Jerusalem uh, very seriously, and they keep claiming that they should unite all the Arab countries uh, to one political entity, and the capital should be Jerusalem. Not Mecca, not Medina, not any other country, not any, not any city, but Jerusalem should be the capital of the United Arab States. And they keep saying it time and again, and they have the reasons because they want to take out the Jewish heart, means Jerusalem, from because they know that without Zion, there is no Zionut. Without Jerusalem, there is no way that Israel will continue to exist. And this is why they keep claiming that Jerusalem should be theirs. Let me show you uh, the scarf which they carry, uh, the, the Palestinians, in, in, in their uh, demonstrations. Uh, and let me show you here. I'll put it on. On the screen uh, to see. Let's go back to Zoom. Yeah. Oh, uh, the host should allow me to share screens. Avi? Can you allow me? It says you are the host now. Oh, okay. Very good. Here it is. This is a scarf which the Palestinians carry in their demonstrations. And, they, and, and this is the PLO. It's not even Hamas. You see here the, the flag of the PLO. On this side, they said Al-Quds Lana. Jerusalem is ours. And here they show the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock. Uh, on the other side, they say Palestine. And the map is the whole Israel. The connection is very clear. They, they understand that they know that if they have Jerusalem, Jerusalem Lana, as they say, Al-Quds Lana, on the right side, the whole Palestine will belong to them because the Jews will run away. Without Jerusalem, there is no existence to the state of Israel. As I said, without Zion, there is no Zionut. So this is one thing. And, and they know, unfortunately, that... Uh, the the Jerusalem is a, a weak link in the Israeli chain because most of the countries in the world have not yet recognized Jerusalem as the Israeli capital. If they spoke about Tel Aviv, the Canadians and others would throw them away. But if they speak about Jerusalem, unfortunately in Canada, they still have people who are willing to, to listen to them because Canada has not yet recognized uh, uh, Jerusalem is the Israeli capital with many other countries as well. Okay, the United States passed this Rubicon, but uh, many other countries and the Palestinians and the Arabs and the Muslims know that this is a weak link. Jerusalem is a weak link. This is why they hammer on this issue uh, uh, time and again. However, uh, we have also to expose the, I would say, the lies which they spread around about Jerusalem. Let me show you something. Uh, I have a booklet uh, about uh, Jerusalem, which was printed by the Jordanians. Let me show you the book. Uh, you see this now. Um, you see the map? Do with the head. Do you see the map? No. Not yet. Not yet. 
Not yet. Okay, so I'll put the map on. Here it is. This is a map which was drawn by the Jordanian Jordanian Ministry of Tourism about Jerusalem. Uh, the date it was published in 1963, uh, four years before uh, the liberation of the city. Look at this. This is the Temple Mount, right? What does it say here? Mount Moriah. More than clear. And these are the Jordanians. They are not, they were not Zionists. Solomon's stables, this is the southeastern part of the Temple Mount. This is Al-Aqsa Mosque, the building in the south. Valley of Jehoshaphat, Tomb of Zachariah, Absalom's Pillar, and Mount Zion. Okay? The Jordanians had no problem to talk about Mount Moriah, which actually is an echo for Haramoriah, the Jewish place of the Temple Mount. And Al-Aqsa Mosque is the building in the southern part of the Temple Mount. And there are many more Jordanian maps which show the same thing. Mount Moriah, and I can show you more. However, after the Six-Day War, where after we liberated Jerusalem, the maps are different. Let me show you the modern maps. And the modern maps actually, let me show you. Uh, one of them. Okay, that's right here. This one. This is a modern map, which first of all, Mount Moriah doesn't appear anymore. And this was drawn by the Palestinians. The Mount Moriah disappeared. Secondly, the Al-Aqsa Mosque is the whole thing. And here it says Al-Aqsa. And today they claim that the whole thing is Al-Aqsa, not only the building in the south, but the whole thing. While the building in the south, which formerly was uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque, now it's called Al-Masjid Al-Kibli, means the, the mosque of the direction of the prayer, because they, they pray to the south, to Mecca. So this actually shows them the direction. That's why it's called today the uh, the mosque of the direction of the prayer why these changes first of all why the mount moria disappeared secondly why el majid al-aqsa the al-aqsa mosque was uh, altered instead of the building in the south the whole thing now is al-aqsa and as a result why the building in the south ha has a new name and the result, and, and the, the, the explanation is very clear. After the Six-Day War, uh, because of the wave of uh, excitement which engulfed the Jewish people, Rabbi Gorin, the rabbi of the army, and his brother-in-law, Rabbi Sha'ar Yashuv Kohen, the rabbi of Haifa, tried to convince the Israeli government to build a synagogue here in this corner, the north, the northwest corner of the Temple Mount. Why? First of all, it is outside from the Temple Mount as it was until the days of Herods. Means uh, there is no restriction to build it. Secondly, it is far from the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So the Muslims will not be uh, that angry because it's not on the Al-Aqsa Mosque, it's there. 
So since the Muslims heard that Rabbi Goren wants to build here a synagogue on the Temple Mount or in this court, they declared that the whole thing is Al-Aqsa and this appears in the Quran. Jerusalem doesn't appear in the Quran, but Al-Aqsa appears in the Quran. And therefore, all the Muslims now should be recruited to fight the Jewish uh, rabbi who wants to build a synagogue and pray on the Temple Mount means the Judaism will come back to life. And in order to do this, they had to change the maps to call the whole, the whole thing Al-Aqsa. Now nobody is allowed to build anything. And as a result, they had, they had to change the, the name of the, of the mosque in the south to the mosque of the uh, direction of prayer. And this is another result of what happened there because they cannot fathom the fact that we Jews come back to life, to our country, to our sovereignty, to our independence, and to our capital, and to our temple. Because all the, co the combination of all these returning returns is actually a return of Judaism to be alive and kicking after it was nullified, as they believe, by Islam. Ladies and gentlemen, the struggle has very deep and very significant and very strong religious roots. Yes, nationalism plays a role, territory plays a role, human rights, political rights, whatever you like. Definitely. But unfortunately, too many people in the world try to ignore try to shut their eyes, not to see the religious element of the struggle over the country and over Jerusalem and especially over the Temple Mount. The struggle of Israel to survive, the struggle of the Jews to come back to their forefathers' land, and the struggle of Jews to go back to their holy city and to renew their independence and sovereignty over their capital, which started to be the capital 3,000 years ago, when all those Arabs were still idol worshippers in the desert. Islam is only 14 centuries since they stopped to be idol worshippers. 3,000 years ago, we were there with David and Solomon and so forth. Yet, for them, they cannot fathom this from the religious point of view, before it is anything else. We, Jews, should bear it in mind all the time that you cannot solve a religious problem with other means. It has to be solved by the religion. Means that the only solution will come when their imams, their religious leaders, not political leaders, their religious leaders, will face the problem and will try to deal with it. With a religious grab a finger, you know, they will dug, they will dig into their sources to find a solution. And religious leaders know very well how to do it, how to solve problems from the religion, for the religion, for people who believe in the religion. They, and if, if they forced, if they are forced, to do it, they will do it. And actually they do it. There are Muslim scholars who keep saying, guys, these days the Jews are powerful. They have a big army, they have a police, they have support from Europe, from America. They have arms, they have everything. We can give them temporary peace according to a precedent which Prophet Muhammad gave to the infidels of Mecca. We don't have to commit suicide as a nation, as a religion, as people. We can live with Jerusalem occupied by the Jews. When Allah will decide that it's the end of the Jewish occupation, he will give it us back. All we have to do is to repent to Allah, to pray, to hope. We don't have to fight. When Allah, with his wisdom, will give it back to us, we can regain it. At that time, it can be generation, two, three, 
we can wait. Yeah, there is a verse in the Quran which says, Inna Allah ma'asabirin. Allah is with those who have patience. Don't push. Wait with patience and Allah will be with you. And this is what those Islamic scholars, what they say. Instead of committing suicide, let's give Israel temporary peace, as peace which we have with Egypt or with Jordan and with all the others. And when they come, the Jews, either way, they, they will run away, Allah will chase them out, or no, nobody knows yet. But if we deserve it, Allah will give us back the land, Jerusalem, and Al-Aqsa, as they call the Temple Mount. So there is an Islamic thought, religious Islamic thought, which accepts the Israeli existence or the Jewish existence here in the Israel, not because they love it, not because they want it, but because it is imposed on them. They tried time and again to get rid of us, and because they cannot, they can or they are allowed religiously to give us temporary peace. They it's called in, in Arabic Salam Hudaybiyah, according to precedent which Prophet Muhammad gave to the infidels. I would buy it, it's okay. Because there is no other peace which can be given to Jews in the Middle East. I would buy a temporary peace. But if Israel will be uh, invincible forever, we will enjoy temporary peace forever. And this is something which you have to be a Middle Eastern in order to understand it. Yes. This is what is achievable here in this region. We are Jews, we cannot be accepted. But the Avad, yes, you know, if we force ourselves with the power, with our belief, with our will, they will accept us, not because they think it should be, but because they understand that they cannot fight us. When they come to the conclusion that we are invincible and Israel cannot be defeated, we will enjoy peace with all the problems with the approval of the uh, uh, wise people, as they said, the ulama, uh, the, th the thinkers of the religion. Why? Because Islam has the tools how to live with entities which are too powerful to be defeated. And this is what we try to do here, to convince our neighbors that they should deal with their problems by themselves. We came back to our forefathers' land. We are staying here forever. And if they have a problem with this, they should deal with their problem. And this is actually what I think we should do. And every one of us, wherever he lives, he or she lives, in Israel, in Toronto, or in Australia, wherever, should be part of this struggle. Because it's not about being Israeli. It's about being Jewish. Because every, Jews has the, every Jew in the whole world has the right to Jerusalem just like myself. And just like those who live in Jerusalem. Because it's a Jewish city. And this is why we all have to come under the stretcher to start fighting for Jerusalem. Of course, I'm not saying that everybody should take the rifle. You can go to the internet and start spreading out uh, uh, pictures of findings, Jewish findings from Jerusalem. By the way, the Muslims keep saying that all the antiquities, Jewish antiquities, which were found in Jerusalem, are all forgeries, are all concocted by the Israelis. Okay, but uh, okay. this is what they say. Uh, as they say in news, go fight with them. Every one of us can send around with WhatsApp, with email, with Facebook, articles about Jerusalem, articles about the Jewish history, not to convince us, to convince our potential friends in the Canadian government, in the Canadian street, to our colleagues, to our friends, because if we Jews do not try to do it, who will do it for us? Nobody. And don't forget, we are a nation of around 15 million people. 15, one five. The Islamic nation or the Islamic creed is a billion and a half. Means thousand times 
bigger than the Jewish people, thousand times. Just imagine if every one of them will send one email per day, how many emails we have to send around in order to balance the power which they have, not to mention the money and the gas and the oil and everything else which they have, which is poured into the struggle of Jerusalem uh, by Turkey, by Qatar, by the Emirates, by Saudi Arabia, by many other Islamic and the Muslim Brotherhood in Europe and in America as well. Everybody tries to, to buy something in Jerusalem so it will never be completely uh, Jewish. And this is why every one of us should feel that he and she should be part of the Jewish army for Jerusalem using everything which you can use, social media or whatever you can. And everybody can do it, even from Bathar Street and Clark Street as well in Thornhill, uh, 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 Ontario. Ladies and gentlemen, this was what I wanted to say. And uh, I'll open the floor for questions and I'll try to answer. Thank you, Professor Kedar. It's uh, Daniel Karapkin speaking. Um, <clears throat> and uh, on behalf of Avi and myself, thank you so much. Um, I'd like to ask you a question and others can type a question in the chat uh, if they would like. Um, my question is like this. Um, it's very true that we can never let our guard down. But one of the things that has been happening in the last couple of years is that because of geopolitical influences, especially with Iran um, creating a lot of um, political unrest in the Middle East and getting up the backs of the Arab world against the Iranians and the, the Arabic world recognizing that Israel is the, the, the strongest power and their first line of defense, you have countries in the Gulf states that are now uh, very Arabic but are starting to begin back-channel conversations um, and begin diplomatic relationships with Israel, Saudi Arabia, especially the UAE. I'm in touch now with the Jewish community in Dubai. There's a Jewish community in Abu Dhabi. There seems to be this new sense of uh, possibility that the Arab world and the Jewish world are starting to actually possibly even work together towards common goals. There's going to be business trade that's going to be opening up between the Gulf states and Israel. And I'm wondering if you can comment on that and whether that does or doesn't mitigate some of the urgency of uh, Jews in the Western world getting involved in the way that you advocate. Well, don't forget that uh, Saudi Arabia still uh, doesn't have, and the Gulf uh, Emirates as well, do not still have any connections with Israel, means official. Not even a consulate, not even not not, not to mention uh, an embassy, uh, or even uh, a re um, commercial representation, which is the lowest uh, grade of uh, diplomatic relations. Uh, everything here uh, between us and them is behind the scenes, um, and and of course here and here and there you can you can hear Netanyahu or other Israeli officials and ministers go to visit Oman and they would visit Dubai and Israeli sports people and so forth. Uh, definitely there are things, and not only this, today you, you can be a Saudi, Saudi citizen, sit in front of your camera with your face uh, revealed and say that uh, Israel has the right to exist and um, uh, Palestinians have actually no cause and we Saudis, we support Israel and you Palestinians can go to hell. And actually this is what people say, only recently, I put on my Facebook page a whole clip by a Saudi guy named Rawaf Sa'in, who says exactly these things to the Palestinians. Al-Aqsa is in, in uh, Saudi Arabia. And this is another lecture, how Al-Aqsa Al became in Jerusalem. Originally, Al-Aqsa was in, was in what today Saudi Arabia is. The Umayyads brought the idea of Al-Aqsa to Jerusalem to sanctify Jerusalem at the expense of Mecca. So today, Saudis feel comfortable and safe to say things which five years ago, they wouldn't even dare to say uh, to the camera. 
that Israel is a good country, Israel is our friend, Israel should, uh, should survive, Jews have the right on the land, and all these things which, uh, and this comes from below. And when the man in the street starts to speak in such a way, this is a change which not only the ruling elite uh, changes something, it's also very important it comes to the street. Yet don't forget that the whole thing about this change to the, of, of the view to Israel is a result of the Iranian threat. Nothing before the Iranian threat convinced the Saudis to join anything with Israel. Saudis and the Kuwaitis and the Qataris and all the others, and the Emiratis. Only the Iranian, um, I would say, a, a threat, the fear from the Iranians, this is the only thing, or the main thing, which actually pushed them towards Israel. Uh, after all, Israel and they have together the, the fears from Iran and the willing to be active against Iran and so forth. And they suffer from Iran. And there are all kinds of rumors that Israel actually helps Saudi Arabia to deal with the Iranian missiles which are launched to Saudi Arabia from Yemen. There are all kinds of rumors about the Iron Dome, which was supplied by the Americans or by others to the Saudis. And everybody knows where the Iron Dome comes from. Okay, these are rumors. Uh, and there are many other rumors about all kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, yes, there is a change. There is a change. Uh, but I will say that the change is profound when, the, when Saudi Arabia will open an embassy, not in Tel Aviv, but in Jerusalem. Embassy in Israel in Jerusalem. When the Saudis uh, uh, do this, I will say that we achieved something. Uh, I think that Israel should have made a condition. Anything you want for us? Vakasha, no problem. Embassy in Jerusalem. Then we can talk. If Israel knew how to be resilient in this thing and how, you know, not to jump into every puddle in the Arab world, you know, try be with covered with self self esteem. Because if you don't honor yourself and you allow relations like a concubine or a mistress rather than a wife. So what do you expect? That they honor you? They have you without paying the payment of opening a, 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 an embassy. If I, if I was a Netanyahu's advisor, I would tell him to tell the Saudis and I would tell them in Arabic, nothing with us until you open an embassy. Why? Because just like the Egyptians and the Jordanians, it is way too long that you waited after the... Look, the Egyptians have peace with us since 1970. Nine, since the Iranian revolution, the same, the same year. Okay, 79 means 40, 41 years. Why are you, what are you waiting for? for what are, Israel is here. Israel doesn't go anywhere. Israel came here to stay. So why do you, why do you wait? So I would ask them this before I help them. Okay, but uh, look, I say, I think that every, every one of us, when he wakes up in the morning and say Birkot Ashacha, you can add Baruch Shelo Asani Rosh Memshelet Israel. Blessed he who didn't make me the Israeli Prime Minister. Because to run such a country with so many problems, it's not at all any pleasure. So Netanyahu has uh, some other concerns, maybe, you know, with the court as well. He didn't nominate me to be his advisor, and uh, we helped the Saudis without a real payment, or maybe they do, I have no idea. Dr. Kedar, a number of uh, questions have come in, so I'll just start with uh, one, which you, it's a nice segue, what you started with, and the question is, what is the religious justification of the Iranian government for their war on Israel if they don't care so much about Jerusalem? <laughs> well, they want to show that they are, better, they are more religious than the Pope. Because there is a, a, a competition between the Sunni Islam and the Shia Islam, uh, who is the better Muslim? Okay, uh, because uh, each side says that the other side is wrong. So if the Sunni Islam definitely fights against Israel, 
the Shia Islam cannot uh, be better. The Shia Islam has to show that they are even more religiously fighting against Israel. This is why, by the way, this week uh, the Iranians will celebrate, celebrate, will commemorate the Quds Day, means the day of Ju the Jerusalem Day, uh, the day which uh, Jerusalem fell into the paws of the Jews. Okay, this is what they say. So uh, they commemorate it. Uh, not, not, the, not the Sunnis started it, the Shia started it, only to show that they, that they are better Muslims than the Sunnah. Okay, so here it was, is this competition. Okay, there were a few other questions that you answered about the Shia and Sunnah, and then we come to uh, a question about going up to Harabayit. Halakhic or not, do you encourage going up to Harabayit for, for their religion and not for ours? Look, uh, Rabbi Korobkin uh, is, is the Mara de Asra of this uh, meeting. I'm not uh, willing to go into any halachic uh, question when it comes to Judaism. Uh, there are ra rabbis who go on Temple Mount, there are rabbis who do not think that they should go. And uh, this is a pure halachic question, which I'm the last man on earth to say any, uh, uh, anything about. Okay, we'll go to the next question. For those who do want to know, uh, Dr. Kedar is not answering as a rabbi, but he himself does go up to Harabayit. Yes. I personally, personally also go up to Harabayit. I but follow, yes, answer I your follow rabbi. the Rabbanim. You know, okay. Asel Harav, right? right? I follow the Rabbanim who allow going on Temple Mount in certain conditions. First of all, I never go into the center where the Heichal was. I go around. Uh, and don't forget that the Temple Mount was broadened in the days of Herod, uh, and the Harchava, the broadening, did not get the, the approval of Chazal. So the edges around the Temple Mount are, in most cases, all cases, I have no, I have no idea, uh, are parts of the city which were annexed to the Temple Mount without the approval of Chazal. That's why they are not sanctified. But the rabbi, again, is the one to determine. And I follow the rabbanim who allow, of course, with the, with the, uh, shoes like Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur. I go to the mikveh in the previous evening or the morning before I go to Temple Mount. And uh, and after Hindutin Svonsik will know whether we were right or not. Okay, next question. You said that the religious focus should take sh uh, took shape after the Six-Day War, but didn't the Muslim Brotherhood and the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem predate that by many years? Yes, definitely. The speakers of the Muslim Brotherhood uh, resembled in the Eretz Israel by the Mufti. Definitely they spoke about this, but it, it didn't get hold to the people, to the men in the street. It was restricted to those, you know, scholars who understood here and there. Yes, they they carried this problem from the beginning. Today, this feeling of the religious problem is much more popular. The man in the street now is after so many years of incitement and and the sermons about this. They started to be part of this as well. To a degree that today the men in the street here in Jerusalem or wherever feels that Jews have no right to Jerusalem because of this feeling which I described. Okay, the next question. Would it be too drastic for the U.S. who host the U.N. and really are the strongest in the world for them to make a requirement of members of the United Nations to demand that all members have to recognize all other members, i.e. a nation cannot be a member of the U.N., if they do not recognize Israel and at least have a consulate there. <laughs> Wishful thinking. I wish that the membership in the United Nations requires recognition of all the other members, but this is not the legal situation. And the United Nations know its limits. Uh, if, if the Arabs, if, if membership in the United Nations would require Arabs to recognize Israel, they would go out. They would leave, many of them, uh, especially in 1948 or 49 or 50s, maybe today less. Egypt would stay, Jordan would stay, definitely. But uh, but uh, the, uh, Syria, 
until this very day is using Israel. Uh, well, today Syria doesn't exist practically, but until the Arab Spring erupted in Syria, uh, Syria was using day and night, was using Israel in order to unify the people uh, under the illegitimate ages of Assad. So they needed a state of war with us. And uh, I wrote about this in my PhD about Syria. Okay, next, uh, very contemporary question. Today in Israel, what is the major difference between the two largest political parties in respect to their approach towards the Arab world, including the Palestinian Arabs? Well, I have no idea. Um, look, uh, many people in the Likud, for example, um, consider themselves to be nationalistic. But in Kahol Lavan, also they were, they had uh, there are people who work. Gantz uh, was a chief of staff. He was a fighter. So what he said that he's not nationalistic. Uh, the, if you really want to know what are the political difference between the Likud and Kahol Lavan, you need a very, very big magnifier. Uh, but people in the street do not really see from the ideological point of view. This is why many uh, voted to Kahol Lavan because they don't really see any real difference. Of course, the Labour Party is much more socialistic or others, but uh, the Likud and Kahol Avan, uh, look for differences, tell me if you found. Um, and final question, Dr. Kedar, do you believe that the Ayatollahs will be overthrown by the Persian citizens and that this will change the Muslim landscape? Well, let me <laughs> put it in a very simplistic way. No, no dictatorship survived forever. The Soviet dictatorship collapsed after 70 years. Um, the German, the Nazi dictatorship collapsed after 12 years, after 15 years. Uh, no, they came to power in 33 and 12 years. And uh, they were defeated in 45. Okay, because of the war. Uh, no dictatorship can survive forever. At some point, dictatorship collapses. Whether it will be from uh, implosion or explosion from, from outside, I have no idea. But uh, uh, the Iranian dictatorship will collapse. I, I have absolutely no doubt. When, how, in what circumstances, uh, I have no idea. Uh, the Soviet Union survived 70 years. The Iranian revolution is 41. Okay, so uh, we are talking about years, not uh, dozens of years and not uh, uh, definitely not uh, 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 centuries. Dr. Kedar, uh, first of all, if you could pass over the host to me for, for a moment. And I just want to say thank you uh, to you very much on behalf of everyone for a wonderful, insightful talk. Uh, I know I always enjoy listening to you, and I want to thank uh, Rabbi Karupkin. Um, uh, I, I've been in touch with Rabbi Karupkin for years. Uh, my, my focus is on videos and movies for the Jewish people, and uh, your rabbi is a, a big believer in, in using all means of education to educate everyone and inspire people, and I've always looked up to you for your, for your in, uh, insightfulness and vision in that way as well, Rabbi Karupkin. Thank you. Uh, uh, the pleasure is all mine, and thank you to each each and every one of you. Again, we're here in Israel, the Pulse of Israel, about using videos to inspire, educate, and entertain you. And um, uh, I just wanted to show you a quick video before we end. More, uh, Dr. Kedar, are you able to pass over the, the host to me for a second? How do you do it? <laughs> Good. Really? How do you do it? You should, you should go to Avi's. Do you see Avi's picture on your screen, Dr. Kedar? Yes. Yes. So go to the three dots on the top right corner of his picture. Yeah. And then click on that. And then yeah. you make it's you should look for make host. Make host. Wow. And thank you so much, Dr. Kedar. It's wonderful pleasure. to see you. Thank pleasure you. and honor. Avi, you are the host now. Okay, thank you, Dr. Kedar. So I'm uh, putting just this very quick video on for everyone to just see just to understand the pulse of israel and why we're so involved with dr kedar as well so uh here we go
God is telling us this land will only grow when the Jews are living here. A beautiful oasis in the middle of the Judean desert. The Jews are making the desert bloom. It's gorgeous. Jew hatred and anti-Zionism is spreading at a rapid pace. The 12 Tribe Films Foundation fights back by harnessing social media and cutting-edge internet strategies to promote short and powerful video messages about Israel and the Jewish people in order to change the existing narrative. We are online video warriors for truth who take the fight to the smartphones of the masses to boost Israel's image in a positive way. Partner with us in sharing the inspiring truth about Israel and the Jewish people to the world. Everyone, thank you very, very oh, much. God is telling us once this again. land. Sorry about that. Once again, thank you very much, everyone, for joining. And Rabbi Karopkin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for everything as well. Erev thank you so much, Avi. Thank you. And uh, have a wonderful day, everyone. And we hope to be able to do this again, especially with uh, Dr. Kedar sometime in the future. Thank you, Avi. Thank, thank you, so you much. Pro thank you, Professor. Thank you, Avi. Thank you, Rabbi. Pleasure. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.